Welcome to church, everybody. I am Brad Scott Johnson, and it's good to have you as part of our online community. Even though you might be geographically far from us, I want you to know we count you as if you're right here at home with us. You're certainly part of this family, and it matters to us that you're here. So I just want to say thank you. We're in this series called Starting Over, Starting Now. Now, it's important to get both sides of that equation because a lot of people want to start over. A lot of people fantasize about starting over. If I could just have a new career, if I could just have a new job, if I could just have a new relationship, if I could just get my health, you know, in a new place, start over with that, then everything would be fine. And they circle around the idea that they want to start over. But here's the part they're missing. You got to start. So this is called start over, but you got to start now. And we're giving you all the tools, all the skills, all the principles to get that reset, to have a do-over, to play your mulligan, or to get your second chance. So I'm glad you're a part of this series. Now, some people say I'm the second chance guy because that is actually the story of my life. I was given a remarkable second chance. And honestly, this is a second chance church. And that makes all of us second chancers. If you're watching this with somebody right now, I want you to turn to the person you're in the car with or seated next to and say, I'm a second chancer and so are you. I mean, I was thinking about that this week. And the truth is, there are all kinds of second chances that we want and all kinds of second chances, honestly, that we need in our lives. Now, admittedly, some of these are just regular second chances, regular resets. Like you're in the middle of a work meeting and you realize that you just need a reset on your attitude or you need the goal or the motivation to uh, take on a project or to take that next step in some area of your life. You just need a regular reset. We also know that there are these radical resets, like the big parts of life where you would say the wheels are coming off, everything is falling apart, nothing's working out, nothing's going right. And you know you need to radically reset an area of your life. In this series that we're in, it's actually about both kinds of do-overs. I want to start today with a promise of encouragement from the Hebrew Scriptures, a book of the Bible called Psalms, which means songs. This was originally something that people would sing. Look at this. God gives a fresh start to those who are ready to quit. You know what encourages me about that verse? Is what it says about God. Clearly, God likes to give second chances. And he likes to give fresh starts. And that's what we've been talking about in this series. The new work, the fresh thing that God wants to do in your life. I mean, how long has it been, if you've ever done it, since you spent any amount of time considering what new thing God may want to do in your life? We're going to think about that today. So today, as we continue this series, we're going to look at three major questions, three major questions that all of us need to ask in order for a do-over to happen in our lives, a fresh start. We're going to learn these questions from the story of a blind man from the Bible. His name was Bartimaeus. Jesus met up with him, and in his meeting with him, these questions were asked, and it changed everything in Bartimaeus's life. And these are the questions that will lead to a reset in your life and in my life as well. 
So let's get ready to jump in. Here's the first question. Where am I? Where am I? In order to get where you want to go, you need to first know where you are. Does that make sense to you? Let me give you some context from this Bible story. It was a great day of celebration. It was in the city of Jericho where Bartimaeus lived. It was a celebration because Jesus was coming to town and People were pretty excited about that. People were going through Jericho on their way to Jerusalem because Passover was also coming up. So it was a holiday and it was festive and the crowds were huge and the feelings were running high. And Bartimaeus, this blind man, in the middle of all of this, was not celebrating at all. Let's look at the story. Then they, Jesus and the disciples, reached Jericho. And as Jesus and the disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. And a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. Now let me give you a little cultural context here. If you were blind in that day and time, the only way you could survive was by begging. You were considered unclean. You were considered kind of an outcast in society. There was no job for you. There was no way for you to support yourself by yourself. You were totally dependent on the pity and the compassion of others. Like if people didn't throw you scraps of food, you didn't get to eat. You didn't survive another day. So here's a man surviving on scraps and handouts and pity. His total life was on the sidelines. If you ask him, Bartimaeus, where are you? He'd say the same place I've been for years. Same song, second verse. Same rut I've been in most of my life. Life happens for others. But I'm on the sidelines, sitting here beside the road. You have to know all the dreams that he had for his life. They weren't happening because of his blindness. All the hopes that he had for some joy. A meaningful relationship, purposeful work, none of it happening. I know people who feel sidelined. Life is happening over there, but here I sit over here, and life is just passing me by. But there was something inside this blind man, and if you're sidelined, maybe this is inside of you. He didn't believe that where he was is where he always had to be. He believed he was made for more. Now, it didn't make sense. I mean, you look at his circumstance. You look at medical knowledge of that day. You look at how far behind he was from his peers. But there was something going on in this guy. Inside this blind man, there was insight. He might not have had eyesight, but he had insight. And it was this. Is this where I have to stay? Is this where I have to be? And he believed the answer was no. What's going on in my life now doesn't have to define me forever. That kind of introspection requires you getting still with yourself and quiet before God and asking one of the deepest truth-seeking questions that you can. Where am I? Am I where I thought I'd be? Some of you would say, Not by a long shot. Am I where I started out going? Some of you would say, not at all. Somewhere along the way, life got sideways, and you got sideways, and the road went sideways. 
And here's the question that actually sets you up for real change. Am I where I want to be? Am I where I want to be? You answer that one honestly, and you'll find something spark inside of you because if you admit I'm not where I want to be, you've actually taken the first step to change. Let me encourage you to just do a 360 degrees on this, a full assessment of all parts of your life. Let me give you five specific areas just to think about. Like, first of all, am I where I want to be physically? Like, what's going on with my body? How am I physically? Am I where I want to be? And then how about your emotional space? Like, is there something going on with me now emotionally that I don't like? Am I more anxious than I used to be? Are there some emotions that are dominating me and they're running my life and I don't want them to? Where am I? I mean, you can see how this question is the beginning of change. Relationally, where am I? Am I drawing closer to people? Am I pushing people away? Am I leaning in to the most meaningful relationships in my life? Am I investing time developing new relationships in my life? And then how about my career? Where am I? Am I fulfilled in what I'm doing? Am I doing the things that I think God created me to do? And here's one that you should spend some time on. Spiritually, where am I? Am I closer to God than I've ever been? Or am I farther away from God than I used to be? And wherever you are, I want to offer you a prayer to get you started to your second chance, to get you moving in the direction of your dreams, to get you unstuck and facing the future that you're destined to have. Here's the prayer from the Scriptures. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. Like, just test me. Look inside and know my anxious thoughts. And just see if there be any hurtful way in me, and from that place, from where I am, lead me in the way everlasting. Can I paraphrase that? God, help me to know where I am. Here's the second question to ask. Who am I listening to? Who am I listening to? Because you know this, who you listen to has tremendous impact on the direction your life goes. I want you to look what happened to blind Bartimaeus. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, he was a, an ancestor of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. I want you to get the picture. There's a lot of shouting going on here. Bartimaeus is crying, have mercy on me. And the crowd is shouting, you be quiet. And nobody was quiet. It was very, very loud. But I want you to get this. Because he didn't listen to the crowd, Bartimaeus heard the voice of Jesus. This is a huge principle. How many of you would agree that there are a lot of voices competing for space inside your head, right? Right? I mean, we think of advertisers, we think of news agencies, we think of family members, you think of your own voice that's going on in there. I mean, if we lifted the lid on your head or mine, we'd 
probably hear a beehive of activity, buzzing voices, all competing for some space and prominence. Your mind, the voice is coming at you. I mean, that's a crowded, scary place. Mine is too. So the question is, in all that noise, who are you listening to? Can you hear Jesus inside of that at all? And let me just say, this has never been more important because the crowd right now, like never before in human history, is always there. It's on your phone screens. It's on your TV screens. Always intruding on your day. The crowd is in your pocket. The crowd is on your phone. The crowd is coming from your smartwatch. Is the 24-hour news cycle. Never before has there been an unending stream of content so readily available, all competing for airspace in your mind. And you know this. You can only listen to so much. You can only really focus on one conversation at a time, one shouting voice at a time. So I want you to get this. Bartimaeus, as a blind man, likely had heightened hearing. Without sight, his brain likely compensated by giving him finely attuned hearing. In other words, loud noises would have almost been maddening. And people are shouting at him. And it would have been painful. And it would have been prominent. But this blind man was so focused, so dialed in on his objective to talk to Jesus that the voice he was able to pick out from all that noise was the voice of Jesus Christ. If you want to hear Jesus instead of the crowd, you'll need to learn the difference between what the crowd sounds like and the voice of Jesus. Let me give you a couple of these differences. The crowd always shouts. The crowd always shouts. Jesus never does. We see this in the story of Bartimaeus. This means that you and I probably need to build some new disciplines in our life to get away from the shouts of the crowd so that we can have some quiet time with Jesus. Here's a second difference. Crowds intrude. Jesus doesn't intrude. Jesus invites. But the crowd, they're rude. They intrude. But Jesus, the gentleman he is, he just invites you into a conversation. Are you wise enough? Have you developed the desire and the discipline enough to tune out the rudest, loudest? Or does the loudest get your attention? Have you learned to tune into the still, small voice of Jesus? A third difference is this, crowds waver. But Jesus is steady. I mean, if you read this story from the beginning to the end, you see at first the crowd is yelling at this blind man, be quiet, be quiet. But then there's a moment where they seem to be on his side, but then in the next moment, they're not on his side at all. And this is what crowds do. They waver. Like you can be the hero one minute and the next minute you're the zero. One minute they add you to the guest list and in the next minute you're canceled. That's what crowds do. That's what crowds will do to you. But Jesus is the opposite from that. He never wavers. Never wavers in his love for you. Never wavers in the truth that he'll tell you. He never wavers in working for your good. He never wavers. 
One more difference between the crowd and Jesus. Crowds are selfish. But Jesus legitimately cares about you. See, the crowd didn't want their parade interrupted. It was all about their experience. They didn't want a beggar interrupting the guest of honor. They wanted to be able to see Jesus and maybe have Jesus give them some attention. It was all about them. They didn't want the sour grapes of a complainer ruining their holidays. They cared for everything else except the real need of a real person who was right in front of them. But that's who Jesus noticed. Jesus cared about Bartimaeus. And I want you to get the idea. I want you to understand that the crowd and the noise didn't prevent Jesus from seeing this person in need. And today that's all somebody needs to hear. That Jesus sees you. That Jesus hears you. And that Jesus cares about you, even in a crowd, even in a loud room. So who are you listening to? I'd encourage you to listen to the one who loves you the most. The one who cares about you the most. Listen to Jesus. Let the promise of his hope drown out the pressure of all the noise around you. I want to remind you of something. Sometimes you may feel like you're the only one with problems. The only one in a crowd with private or hidden pain. The only one that's crying themselves to sleep at night. And you need to know a couple of things. First of all, you're not alone. Behind all the smiles of all the beautiful people that you might have around you, I promise you there's some pain there. And the second thing I want you to know is even in a crowd, Jesus hears each cry. And Jesus knows each hurt as if you're the only one in front of him. And so our questions. Where am I? That's an important question to ask. And the question, who am I listening to? That's an important question to ask. But then there's the third question that Bartimaeus and his experience with Jesus teaches us. What do I want? What do I want? And this might be the most important question for a reset. Because if you don't ask this one, you'll stay stuck. Jesus asked this question of Bartimaeus. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? My rabbi, the blind man, said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. And immediately, instantly, this man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. The reset was complete. The second chance has begun. Bartimaeus went from being a blind man begging beside the road to a disciple following Jesus on the road. And when the final piece of the transformation puzzle fell into place with the question, what do you want? He got his miracle. Once he was able to define, what do you want? He received his changed life. I want to take you on a moment of personal spiritual experience, if you'll allow me. I'm not going to get too weird, I promise. But this may be new for some of you. But let me ask you to take a chance on yourself and take a spiritual step with me. If you're not driving your car right now, I'd like you to close your eyes. I'd like everybody to make this a personal, private experience with their eyes closed. And with your eyes closed, I want you to get a vision 
of what you think Jesus looks like. Maybe you've seen a picture of Jesus and and that's what comes to mind or you've always had this sense of what he maybe looks like. Whatever it is, just get a vision of, of your image of Jesus and get a sense of him and get a sense that no matter who is sitting beside you, get a sense that right now that now it's Jesus next to you. It's Jesus close to you. He's right beside you, very close. Can you get that? Can you visualize this with me? I want you to feel the warmth of his presence. And I want you to hear him ask you, what do you want me to do for you? And then I want you to tell him just from your heart, because he can read your thoughts. He can hear those words inside of you. Tell him what you want. Tell him what you need right now. This is your moment of faith. Will you trust him to do what's best for you? For Bartimaeus, that was for him to receive his sight. But for us, what if God knows what we really need looks different than what we ask for. Like, God, let this relationship I'm in last. But God sees it down the road. This isn't the best person for you. Will you trust him? God, let me get this job. But God sees down the road the company's going to be sold and you'll be laid off. Will you trust him? You can open your eyes again. There's a story in the Bible right before the story of Bartimaeus where Jesus actually asked the same question to a couple of his disciples. And I want you to see this. Their names were James and John. And Jesus asked them, what do you want me to do for you? Same question he asked Bartimaeus. And they replied, let one of us sit on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. Now, you need to understand this. This is these guys going for it. I mean, when Jesus said, what do you really want? Here's what they said. We want to be co-leaders with you of all the universe. We want to be the rulers on earth right next to you. Whatever you have coming, Jesus, we want in on it. But Jesus said to them, You don't know what you're asking. What I have coming my way is suffering. What I have coming my way will be physical beatings and whipping and torture. Are are you saying you want to join me when I'm crucified on a cross? Jesus didn't give them their request because they couldn't comprehend what that would mean for their future. But because Jesus knew that, he gave them a different answer. Does that make sense to you? Like when you ask, will you trust him to do what's best for you? Are you saying, Brad, I should never ask for what I want? You should absolutely ask for what you want. But then sit in your relationship with Jesus. It's so important to also hear what he wants for your life. 
Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? You don't have to give him the Christian answer. I guess I just want all goodness and glitter, Lord. No. Some of you would say, "I, I want to get out of my marriage. I'm up for a job and so is my friend. And I want it. I don't want him to get it. I want revenge on the person who hurt me. Like if you got real honest about what you wanted, what would you say to God? And here's something you need to understand. You can be honest to God. You can be honest to God. But listen. That's not the end of the conversation. You ask for what you want, but then you allow God to gently work in your life and you trust his work in your life. Like maybe instead of getting you out of that marriage, he shows you how to put it back together. Maybe there's a possibility that this thing right now for you that is the greatest pain in your life somehow can become the greatest blessing in your life. So maybe revenge isn't the best option for you. I can't tell you what God's answer will be, but I do know that if you're going to find a reset in your life, If you're going to move from the sidelines to the front lines like Bartimaeus did, you're going to need to have this conversation with God, this honest conversation with God. God, this is what I want. And then you allow God to do his best work in you. You bring it out from the back of your mind. You bring out what you want from the deepest part of your life. But then it's a conversation in a relationship with the one who loves you the most. Listen, if Bartimaeus had not told Jesus what he really wanted, not told Jesus, I really want my sight, I don't believe he would have been healed that day. God may want to do something immediately in your life through your faith, but he's waiting for you to say what you really want. So I'll just ask it. What do you want? What do you really want? This is the third of these questions that you and I ask ourselves to experience a reset in our lives. Where am I? Who am I listening to? And what do I really want? We learn these from Bartimaeus, the man who was once blind, who was given a completely new start in life. Let's pray together. God, the most honest thing we could do in this moment is evaluate where we are right now. Sometimes we don't want to look at that. Sometimes we don't want to be honest about that. Sometimes we just don't want to deal with it because the reality of where we are is so painful, so hard, so complicated. Just to ask that first question, takes everything we have where am I really in the important parts of my life that second question is also tricky who am I listening to like the people I've been seeking advice from they really haven't given me good guidance and the people I've been following and the opinions that I've been holding to 
really haven't been for my best. And we'd have to admit that somewhere in the noise, God, your voice has been drowned out. And we're sorry about that. Help us to hear you. Help us to hear you in all the noise. And then what do I want? What do I really want God to do for me? Father, we just want to come before you knowing that you love us most and have our best on your heart. So with boldness, we just say, this is what I want. And then we start a conversation about what you're going to do in our life and what's best for our future. And we trust you then as we begin to follow you. Blind Bartimaeus, wow. His life changed the day. He got very real with these three questions in his life. And I believe, Father, somebody's life has changed also because they've honestly applied these questions today to their life. We thank you for the life change you're providing. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to thank you for being part of church. You know, around here we're in a very exciting season as we approach Christmas. One of the things we do annually is provide toys for families that are under-resourced and otherwise simply wouldn't have a Christmas. If you're in our area, You can bring those toys on Sunday, and we're accumulating those in our lobby. We're going to do this to the second week of December. But if you're out of our area and want to participate, information is going to come up on the screen right now where you can uh, order on Amazon or one of those uh, websites and then have your donation shipped to uh, to this address. So I want you to be able to participate whether you're close or whether you're far. The second thing I want you to know about is we are in entering the most important giving season in our church year. We call our end-of-year financial giving our gift for Christ at Christmas. As you're already probably in your holiday shopping season, you're thinking about, you know, who you're going to give to or what you're going to get and all of that. Don't miss Jesus in that noise. And what I actually ask people to consider is making sure the most expensive gift, the one that you sacrifice the most for, is the gift you give to Christ. So consider what you're giving to someone else and make sure you give Jesus more. Would you join me in keeping Jesus first in this Christmas season? It would be a blessing to you. It would be a blessing to Jesus. And it would be a blessing to the ministry of Jesus through this church. Your giving matters now more than it ever has. And so I want to thank you ahead of time for being the most generous giver you can be for Christ at Christmas. Thanks for being a part of church today, and God bless you.